power and the potential for for myself. For, it, it's for me, it bridged the gap between walking and and running. I could I could feel how my body was responding to it. The Distance Hiker Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Distance Hiker Podcast with me, your host, your fabulous host, Matthew. So, what did you think to the new intro music? You would probably have heard it last week. Did you listen to last week's episode? If not, why not? Um, it is there waiting for you to be listened to. Um, like it more than the one I had before. Um, I like it more. I thought it was better. I, I didn't really like the acoustic jingle after a couple of episodes. It grated on me, so I had to change it. And I'm the type to get bored of something quite quickly, so switching up the music is kind of a result of that, but I really like the new intro. But let me know if you like it or not. The introduction is important because you listen to it every time you listen to the podcast. So, on to the episode. Today, we have got Vicky Welsh from Let's Walk Bristol, a new walking festival in Bristol with a Wardic, a Wardic? With a Nordic, let's get that right, with a Nordic walking edge. You've probably seen some posts, if you remember, of the world's most amazing long distance hiking community, UK long distance hiking, which would probably make it the UK's most amazing long distance hiking community, uh, where, you know, Let's Walk Bristol have posted quite frequently about the event on its on the run up to it. So Let's Walk Bristol is, let's go on to that first, is on the 1st to 3rd of October. And it looks to be a really fun event where you can get involved in a number of different walks and evening events. And the best bit, as I've said, it's based in Bristol. So it's super easy to get to with places to stay. We obviously talk about this in the podcast somewhere in the middle, but we start the episode talking about Nordic walking, which is really where uh, Vicky's kind of background lies with Nordic walking. So Nordic walking at the beginning of the episode is a bit of a mystery to me. I have some assumptions and I've never really looked too much into or hadn't really looked too much into it before. Um, but as I ask Vicky more questions about it, I begin during that episode to understand what Nordic walking is about and how it can be a remarkably beneficial form of exercise. So here's a sneak preview. It is a great alternative to running. To take Vicky's word for it, it's a good alternative to running if running is just something that does not appeal to you. So then we go on to discuss the walking festival. And then finally, we talk about Vicky's book, which is not released yet and probably won't be released until next year. But we talk about what she's currently writing. Um, and it's, I think I probably won't do this justice, but I think it's going to be a really detailed and interesting step-by-step manual on how to walk better and if injury free walking is your thing and maximizing the power of your body while walking is your thing then keep listening to the end because Vicky gives us some sneak previews as to what to expect from the book so without further ado I hope you enjoy this episode of the Distance Hiker podcast and don't forget to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the next episode on Spotify 
all you need to do is hit the follow button which is at the top of the um, podcast page on Spotify to get notified for the next episode. So thanks for listening and enjoy the interview with Vicky Welch from Let's Walk Bristol. fixed it it's done it brilliant cool and am i nice and clear on your side as well you are yeah Yeah. wonderful all good 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 so thank you uh thank you for joining me today it's uh it's been really really nice that you've you've come on um onto the distance hiker podcast um so you appeared in my kind of focal point when you joined the facebook group that i set up and you posted on there and I saw your post and I thought, hey, this is cool, a walking festival. So um, we'll get to that in a little bit. But can you tell me a little bit about yourself, first of all, and where you're from and kind of what you do? Uh, yes, I can. Cer- <laughs> I certainly can. So um, it was quite interesting because I've, I've enjoyed listening to your previous podcasts. Thank you very much. And um uh, particularly, uh, just the distance that people travel, uh, you know, in their in in their walks, and I it reminded me that when I was a tiny tot, um, as a family, we used to do some distance walks, and so I asked my mum, who's who's uh, still alive, and I and I said, look, you know, and her her diaries go back. She keeps her diaries for for you know from when she was young herself. So we looked up, and I started long distance walking when I was six and a half years old. Wow! I couldn't believe it. That's amazing. And were and, there particular trails that you walked at six years old? Well, or? that that was walking around the Isle of Wight. Oh wow! So the the coast coastal path of the Isle the of Wight. Path around the Isle of oh, Wight. Wow! Yes, and. And um, she even had sort of the, the distances that we went between. And on, on one of the days, um, it was 12 miles. So it wasn't like insignificant. I can't. No. And so how, how old were you at, on the 12 mile uh, when you did that? No, that was six. I was six and a half years old. Really? I was wow. being, uh, and, um, you know, so I think I've definitely got walking in my blood. And yeah. um, I think parents had a different attitude to towards the, the stamina ability of their children in those days, um, you know. Well, yeah, I, I attest to that. I mean, I always underestimate my lad who's nearly six and what he can do. Every time I go out, we do a little bit further. And he just, um, you know, he, he runs back and forth like a don't want to compare him to a dog, but like a dog when you're walking. And he gets twice the amount of miles in that I do. Um, just for the, the laps he does around me and so, so kids I think can walk a lot further than what we give them credit for well I wouldn't have believed it other than um, you know because obviously I, I just have a memory of it being quite um, annoying at, at, at that young age um, <laughs> but, but the, just the the evidential proof in, in in her diary was 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 yeah it was, it was quite a fact and then and then the following few years we we did the um, southwest coast path over a course of a number of years so um and then I I I stopped uh doing uh, well I was probably I'm surprised I wasn't put off for life almost but I, I didn't I didn't um uh carry on walking specifically until I got into Nordic walking okay. and then Nordic walking um I suppose got me back into into longer walks 
And when did that interest um, turn from sort of regular walking to Nordic walking? And was there a period in which you stopped doing any walking? Um, or is it something you just continuously sort of done throughout your life? Yes, I'd, I mean, I've always liked going for walks and, and, and particularly if a pub or, a, a, um, you know, a cafe is involved, you know, there's sociable activities. Um, walking for exercise, uh, which is how I start, what I started to do with the Nordic walking came in in my late 30s. Um, and that was because I was, uh, I had um, lots of problems with my joints and it meant I couldn't run for my fitness anymore. Mm. And so I was searching around to find something else that could take its place and that I could take the dog for a walk and just generally enjoy. And that's when I discovered Nordic walking. Okay. And so, so where you discovered Nordic walking, was it something you went out to seek or did you learn about it through reading something or did you just stumble across it? How did you kind of come actually come across Nordic walking? Because it's a relatively niche kind of part of the walking culture isn't it it's not something that you see a lot of people do not 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 at least where I live anyway so how did you come across that in the first place um well my mother-in-law introduced it to me I'd not heard of it she just knew I was searching around for something she lives in Norfolk and there happened to be a walking group um in Norfolk and said why don't you come along and I went along thinking well you know I'll give anything a go and um it took me by surprise I I just you know how you just love something from from the first moment, and I could see the the power and the potential for for myself. For it, it's for me, it bridged the gap between walking and and running. I could I could feel how my body was responding to it. But you're right; it didn't. It's not that well known, and it's. I'm not evangelical about it for anybody else. Um, uh, it's you know everyone has their particular passions I love walking I do a lot of walking without my Nordic walking poles because I don't want to become obsessive but the Nordic walking poles have helped me to train my skeleton and my postural alignment so um, that's why I, I love them um, hugely yeah that's that's really interesting and so for somebody like myself as, as I said I've, I've heard of Nordic walking and I've read a little bit about it but I don't fully understand it um, my, my experience of it is very limited and, and it literally is limited to what I've I kind of read and watched about it. So can you explain Nordic walking for somebody who's never heard of it before? What What is Nordic walking? Mm. Well, Nordic walking um, is based entirely on your ordinary walking pattern and rhythm. You just add two ergonomically designed poles, a little bit like trekking poles, but um, they're, they're just... Um, with a with a with a thinner handle and a glove-like strap and those poles um, uh, propel you forward so they increase your speed uh, because they're angled backwards so they propel you forwards uh, they um, they use the they, they tap into your natural walking rhythm and motion so it's a very holistic um feeling you if when you when you get when you get it right you don't really notice that you've got Nordic walking poles in your hand you just feel as though you're walking really quite beautifully and and in tune with you know intuitively um so that's what Nordic walking is it uses the same so walking and Nordic walking 
um, require the same postural alignment. They require the same lower body movement, the same arm swing, the same. And that's the difference between trekking and Nordic walking. The arm swing in Nordic walking is exactly the same as a proper walking um, action. Okay. So the, the, the poles are essentially an additional boost of power in Nordic walking just to, to get allow you to get into more of a flow state. Do they add rhythm as well? Is that the ideas behind them too? Or is it just to give you that extra push? No. So um, they do add rhythm. Um, they add um, a lot of upper body power. So when you power through the pole, well, you actually power through the strap and that engages the majority of your upper body muscles and it increases the power and, and, and workout for your core, um, you know, your core stabilizing muscles. So those are, those are the, um, and it's a great workout for your arms, actually. Um, you know, most people don't have bingo wings who are, you know, avid Nordic walkers. <laughs> So that, that's really interesting, the workout aspect, because I think um, there's a lot of interest. I mean, I particularly like the idea of exercise that doesn't feel like exercise. I Like you, I, I don't get on with running. I like the idea of possibly being able to run. And I have done this thing where I've had extended periods of trying to run and I always lose it because it doesn't stick. I don't enjoy it. So... If, say, somebody's listening to this and they feel the same, which I'm assuming there might be quite a few people who feel like that, is Nordic walking something you can quite simply, and I'm sure it is more complicated, to get fit by doing repeatedly? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Um, and that's one of its beauties, is that it is a whole body workout. Um, uh, obviously, it doesn't require you to lift your hands above your head, so it doesn't necessarily cover everything but in terms of all your postural muscles and a lot of um your other muscles like your glutes and your biceps and your triceps all of those are, are really um give a very strong workout and you you don't it's only when you actually try it if you're properly instructed you know by a good instructor and you try it and then you think oh it looks so easy and it's an awful you know think, oh, gosh that made a bit of a difference yeah. And and how um, would you go about getting hold of an instructor, say, if somebody wanted to actually learn? And, and also, how what's the kind of learning curve? How long does it take to get the hang of it so you can kind of start doing it on the regular? Yes, yes. Good questions. Well, um, there are two national organisations in the UK who train instructors. That's um, British Nordic Walking and Nordic Walking UK. And you can just google those or google nordic walking classes in your area i mean that's the way i would recommend start i mean i live in bristol and there's it's a big walking nordic walking community here um in bristol so that's the way to start how long does it take mm, how long's a piece of string <laughs> um, interestingly with nordic walking people the people who find it easiest mm. are the non-sporty people okay why is that do you think i think my my theory is that uh because i'm a sort of sports person background and i think i overthought it and mm. i thought i should be good at it and i wasn't i it, i was really um not good at it at all to begin with i couldn't get my rhythm i couldn't get my coordination those are the you know that's the 
the big thing that, that, that people struggle with. And I, and, and I think that somebody who is non-sporty comes to it with no expectations of being good at <laughs> yes. it at all. And, and it's much more relaxed. Yeah. And um, they always seem to be so good. And mm. it's lovely. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, I've seen that with loads of activities. Um, I mean, I, I used to climb and it was always the people who started climbing who had never really done anything like that before who kind of got it right because they would not have the reliance on say upper body strength that somebody who's really fit might have so therefore they engage their brain which is more important to do that um, and it seemed to work better for them so that doesn't surprise me um how long does it how long generally would you go out for when nordic walking do is there a kind of can it be yeah how long what kind of mileage would you do when you go out for a walk optimum really time good? Um, and again, well, that's probably how long is a piece of string, but kind of on average. <laughs> well, the, the thing, I mean, it's, it, I would, Nordic walking isn't really any different from walking other than that there are classes. Uh, so it, 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 if you like, it, whereas you wouldn't go for a walking class, you can go to a Nordic walking class. And uh, the, so um, the classes that, that um, I used to run when, well, I still go go on with the Bristol Nordic Walking, which was a company I, I mm. um, established in Bristol, yeah. were mostly an hour long and mostly about three miles because we did some exercises and warm-ups and cool-downs. So um, for me personally, that was never in, enough. Uh, I like to go out for a two-hour stretch simply because just like walking, it takes, you know, to actually feel the rhythm of the movement and your body responding to that natural holistic um, inbuilt movement takes a while because I'm so busy in my head. (laughs) that It takes me a while just to get into the flow, I suppose. And then I love it and I love being in the flow. So. And the flow state is is tricky to get into. It's it's one of these things that I think um, when you're trying to do it, it doesn't happen. But when you sort of let it go, it happens. It's um, so I, I can imagine that's that that's uh, quite a challenge to to do. So um, yeah, you mentioned that you um, have or had a Nordic walking business called Bristol Nordic Walking. Is that something you still run, or have you moved on from that now? Yeah. So um, I set that up. Uh, well, one of the, um, just going back to a previous question, was uh, Nordic Walking didn't come to the UK until about 2005. It was, it was created. Um, that was going to about... be one of my questions. So forgetting oh, right. <laughs> that. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> well, shall, shall I answer? I'll no, 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 that's great. That's fine. I was oh. actually going to ask that and I realised I missed it. So uh, yeah, I no, appreciate it. <laughs> so, well, if I give you a, a bit of the history. So yeah. Nordic Walking um, has has been around for decades as a summer training um, sport for cross-country skiers, for competitive cross-country skiers. Oh, that kind of makes sense with the movement. Yeah. Ah, okay. So so in the snowless off-season, hmm. obviously to keep their competitive edge, um, and, and this is before the era where there were all the sort of the technology and gizmos that there are at the moment, yeah. but they used to literally um uh, just put on their trainers and use and 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 use their upper body nordic action um and keep themselves fit so it's a that's that's how it was that's how it was sort of originally conceived and then in finland um i can't remember the name of the of the doctor but she she looked at this and thought well actually this 
I think is quite clever. And I think it could have a wider use than just the elite, you know, than for this elite group. And that's how Nordic walking in its current form was, was, was conceived as an idea. And it was birthed really, I suppose, in the year 2000 is the International Nordic Walking Federation. The first Nordic walking thing was, was, was formed. That's super interesting. I did not know that. Ah. So there is a real, there's a real fitness element to it. So if it can be used as a training tool for athletes, then, you know, therefore it can trickle down wonderfully to be a fitness tool for everybody else. It can. It's it is an interesting. Um, it's an interesting uh, sport, though. In fact, it's called a health sport because of the crossover okay. between yeah. health and fitness. Yeah. And I would say a lot of people in this country, when it was brought into the UK, which is about two thousand and four, two thousand and five, it sort of found a niche in the health and um, uh, sort of older, you know, with older folk. Yeah. And why do you think um, that is? Because because it provides stability, support, it's very sociable, um, and and yeah, and people feel more confidence. It, it, it provides a, a, a boost to confidence, so it's very suitable for older folk um, who may have balance problems or um, uh, yeah. yeah, want something it, to get out. Is it um, is it something you see changing as somebody who is involved in the community where younger people are increasingly taking it up? Uh, I would, this is what I would like to be part of. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I stepped down from Bristol Nordic Walking Organisation was um, to take Nordic Walking uh, firstly deeper into the community because it's, it is, as you say, it's, it's niche. Um, and I want it to be accessible to, you know, a, a more diverse um profile of people including especially younger people and that's one of the reasons behind the um let's walk bristol festival is to raise the profile of nordic walking okay well we'll get to the festival in a minute um, i just want to go back to the uh your business you ran because that that personally interests me um so how how did you go from uh starting nordic walking to obviously enjoying this and getting involved in the community to starting a, um, a business in bristol around nordic walking how did that happen so, um, in, as I say, in my late 30s, I um, was having a lot of joint problems, couldn't run. And um, it was also a time when I wasn't working. I, I, I worked in law in a law firm in London um, for many years. And then when the children came along, it was just it was too difficult to, to juggle both. So I took a back seat and. And then, as I say, wasn't became became unwell, and I then decided to train to do a personal training diploma because I was fascinated by the fact that my you know what had happened to my body. I, I wanted to understand more about my body, so I, I did a personal tra training diploma, and at the same time, and then I started person you know doing running personal training for for people. At the same time, I personally found Nordic walking. Hmm. And gradually I just thought well I think I could use this as a as an adjunct to my training with you, you know with with my clients and so and then I just and then it gradually increased to saying well this is this is you know this is ridiculous I should be actually running a, a class and yeah. then I stopped my personal training business altogether and focused entirely on Nordic walking um, and running classes. 
Okay. And so once once you start the personal training and did Nordic walking, do you find that your personal training clients kind of moved, transitioned into doing a Nordic walking with you? Or did you set that up as a separate uh, business as such to reach a separate audience? Um, well, yes, they did transfer across. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but also, of course, I, I reached a, um, a you know a large number of other people. So, I mean, just to give some um, context, I started um, with a bag of poles and a lot of enthusiasm and okay. one class a week. Yeah. And then, when um, by the t- uh, by the time I stepped down, which was just around the first COVID wave, um, so just before COVID hit, we were. Um, the, the club had increased to uh, a team of 10 instructors, oh, wow. 30 classes a week hmm. and 400 and more active, oh, wow. know, very regularly active Pretty substantial operation then. It, one of the <clears throat> biggest in the country. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's, that's amazing. Um, I didn't realize it was that big because um, I looked at the website and I thought it was a, I couldn't work out whether it's is, is, is it a Nordic walking club and tutorial kind of instruction? Sorry, is it a Nordic walking club and does it do the um, instructions as well as to how to do Nordic walking? Does it encompass both aspects of that or is it more just for the training to do Nordic walking? Yeah, so I, um, every class teaches Nordic walking. So, so people learn by going on a beginner workshop and then the classes, the regular classes that go out weekly, um, always have Nordic walking tuition, mostly focus on on whether it's your upper body or your hips and core, your lower body. So there's always a, a rolling, if you like, a rotating focus. Yeah. Um, the, 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 but the big thing is that it's a community. So it's fitness and through Nordic walking, but within a community. And that would be the same, not just for Bristol Nordic walking, but for every Nordic walking club, people, you know, different instructors and, and operate differently, but it's it's always a combination of a club and fitness through Nordic walking. That sounds really, that sounds something like, I you know, if, if I was, it's not something I'd want to do at this point in my life because I have a family and I've done clubs. I used to be a member of a climbing club um, some years ago and I couldn't fit it into family time, but it's something I think that if you have got the time in your hands, having that community aspect and a fitness aspect of your life that's could have rolled into one is a really, really nice idea. So it doesn't surprise me that's taken off and that's that's super fascinating. So you've, you've gone from running this this popular and well-established Nordic walking business to taking a back seat to it now, I guess, and starting the Bristol Walking Festival, which is Let's Walk Bristol. So how did that idea come along? Where did you kind of transition and what made you think that you want to take a back seat to this uh to you know to Bristol Nordic Walking and start the festival because it's a big big thing to start a festival it's not not a small task at all oh my goodness if yeah. I wish I, someone had told me that beforehand I probably <laughs> I probably would have been the, the sensible thing um so so it's funny again these things um my my the rhythm of my life is definitely around around my children's rhythm. So my, this may feel like it's a long time away from you, but, but my youngest has now left school. So, and, and I knew that that was going to um, turn a, 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 into a new chapter for me because, um, because 
I didn't want to be committed day in, day out to a week in, week out to running a, a business. Yeah. I wanted to have more freedom, mostly actually to go off and, and, and walk more because there's so many lovely long distance trails I, I, I would really like to do. And you can't, it's hard to do them when you've got so so I always knew I, I wanted to, to take a, um, a step back from from the Bristol Nordic walking business. And um, I but the, the reason to answer your question specifically about the festival was um, I had conceived the idea before I, before COVID happened. Mm. Um, and the idea was that uh, in what was last year, 2020, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> in the COVID, in the first COVID yeah. year, um, the idea. So it was in the it was in 2019. I thought of the festival, and it would have been 20 years of the International Nordic Walking Federation um, in 2020, and it would have been 10 years of Bristol Nordic Walking. And I thought, wonderful, put yeah. on a festival to celebrate. Bristol Nordic walking and that would kind of mean my goodbye thing and um and the international you know the 20 years and then of course covid hit and I thought and then I had left and I thought I still want to do a festival and I'm going to turn it into a Bristol um into into something else okay so it actually it actually started the idea started as a Nordic walking only a Nordic walking festival Yes, it yeah. did. Okay. And that was still going to be in Bristol though, like yes. this one is. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so what, um, because you could have obviously continued with the Nordic walking festival and not made it just a walking festival that you're doing now. So what made you um, kind of change your mind and just to have it as a walking festival instead of a Nordic walking festival? I think because, um, no, because I love walking as much as I do Nordic walking, and and to introduce walk regular walkers to Nordic walking, um, you, I think you need to need to have the two running. You know, it's it's not like you've got one pot of here of walkers and another pot over there of Nordic walkers, and you can't mix the two. You can, mm, of course. You know, and and so. I just, it was really, it was a love of walking and there is so much diversity of walking in Bristol, brilliant urban walks and amazing rural walks. Um, and uh, I, I through, through the Bristol Nordic walking, um, we used to do lots of long walks and we used to, in fact, we even went to Finland, we've been to Girona, you know, lots of traveling mm. and distance trails like the Cotswolds Way. So, um I suppose the answer is that it just felt right. You know, you follow your gut on these things, course, don't you? Yeah. you? You can only follow your gut. Um, so the the festival is a city-based festival, if I'm right. It's not a festival in a field somewhere with some portaloos. It's a, a city-wide festival, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we do have a couple of portaloos. Okay, Portaloos aren't bad, but you know what I mean. It's not a kind of mud, muddy glass and breeze no. walking festival. It's a... no. So, so the um, it starts on a on the Friday afternoon. That's just a, 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 a kind of um, a, a casual walk around the harbour side, mostly yeah. people who are who are visitors to Bristol. But the the the, the, the two big days are Saturday when the, um, there is no hub, if you like, festival hub. Um, there are just, uh, I think, 20, over 20 walks or Bristol experiences going on. So there's a Banksian street art walk 
um, for instance, going on in the heart of Bristol. And then there's a harbour site, you know, there are some sort of um, activities going on in Bristol, but we've also got walks going on in the Mendips and Cheddar. So people will have to drive themselves to get to those walks and, and, and they'll go off from there. And then on the Sunday, we are using Ashton Court, which is a beautiful park right on just near the suspension bridge the clifton suspension bridge and we have we're right beside the mansion house but um we're using the front lawn but that's where we will have additional portaloos <laughs> and from and from there um there are whole lots of different circular walks that, that that start and finish at that hub where there will be street food and music and you know the what i call more traditional festival i see field. yeah and so, so what has actually gone into arranging a festival? Um, you know, because as you said, if you'd known how much work it would be, you, you might have come to your senses with it. And I do understand that um, from seeing uh, friends and uh, people I know professionally as well who've organised festivals, it is a ton of work to do, you know, even a, a simple festival. So to do something that's, you know, spread throughout the whole city um, with a ton of different venues, it seems like you know, a festival, you know, on steroids, it's, uh, it sounds really difficult to do. So what, what's, how long have you been planning this for? And what's gone into, into getting this launched? Well, I would say that, that if, if whoever's listening to this, don't be put off. If you want to organize a festival, especially a walking festival, you know, don't be put off by, by Matthew's introduction there. Sure, I'm thinking about doing my, one myself in a few years time. So I, uh... I'm going to, I'm learning from 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 your experience here yes. in some ways. So I think have a clear plan. Um, uh, so I uh, actually the Saturday where there are multiple venues isn't that complicated because they're all being run by um, uh, walk walking knowledgeable walking guides and experts okay. or Nordic walking Who, of instructors. Of course, you know yourself anyway through your, your business. Exactly. Ah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that helps a lot. Or local or local groups that I've met and, and you know, made contact with. So that's fairly, that's fairly straightforward. Um, you need, you need a, a good website, I'd say. Um, you need to have a booking system in place. And that was the complicated thing for me. So if anyone wants any advice on that, then please let me know. <laughs> I've made um, a few of those in my previous business, so I know what that's like. It's hard. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and you, um, you need to have all your permissions in place because there's a, a, all the risk assessments. Um, so and then you have to get your your insurance um, and just think about the logistics of the day. So how really, you know, have you got a marquee or a gazebo? Uh, how much money have you got to spend? How are you going to raise the profile of the fact that, the, you know, your festival is taking place? Because, um, you know, there's a lot of clamour that lots of things are being run. So how do you, you know, how do you get, how do you raise your profile? Um, and, you know, social media is very important. In fact, I've used two youngsters through the Kickstart scheme to help with the okay. social media. Yeah. And they've been, they've been, you know, yeah. fantastic. Because you've got quite a young team working with you on this, haven't you? I, I did notice as I looked at the um, About section on the website. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, they're, they're, they're yes, they've, they've brought my, you know, they've brought the average age down nicely. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's, 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 there's myself and then there's, there's, 
yeah, Joe, who's great on all that. You've got to have somebody who's great with with systems and admin and and um, and so she helps me with that. And then, as I say, I've got these two youngsters through the Kickstart scheme. They're in their, I think they're just 20, you know, in their early 20s. Yes. Okay. So in terms of funding as well, is this, because uh, as I said, I, I have considered, and you might, if you look on um, UK Long Distance Hiking, you'll see a few days ago, I actually put a post up saying, if you were to have a perfect, you know, festival around long distance walking, what would it look like? Um, and I honestly thought no, no one would reply to it, but I had tons of replies and I'm looking at that and I'm going, oh, maybe people are thinking I'm going to be doing a festival, which I might at some point. Um, so how do you fund a festival? This is something I'm very personally interested on. Is this something you have to get the ticket money before that then funds the festival or do you have to sort of find a, a good pool of cash to put into it initially? So the latter. Yeah. Um, you um, So I, I have... Through the through the money that I um, had built up through Bristol Nordic Walking, yeah. I then had a pot to be able to self fund this, this festival. Um, what what should happen uh, next year is that I will um, pull in corporate sponsorship and funding yeah. because um, Matthew the. the Walking is um, is a well being activity. So so and and companies, particularly long distance walking routes, uh, you know that's that that that's a great fundraising opportunity um, and and uh, you know a bonding experience, team building um, and well being, all in the great outdoors. So um, I, I think that would be a, a very powerful pathway in. But you almost need to. It's hard to get the funding and the sponsorship when you haven't, you know, before you've actually done your first one. Yeah, of course. I can imagine because it's, you know, it's not having anything to show and just sort of going in cold and saying, sponsor me for X, Y and Z is, is, yeah, yeah, and must be very difficult if you haven't got um, a portfolio of work behind you or even, you know, even just a festival. So. Yeah, there's a, a lot to be said about have putting, I guess, your your own money on the table first before you do something like that. Or, or you could, you know, you could you could find a grant maybe, yeah. or or just take out a loan. Hmm. But the, the, the ticket money doesn't come in until um, well, we're experiencing there's there's, there's an ever increasing number um, of, of of purchases now on the yeah. different walks and the, and the okay. evening and the evening entertainment, and it will crescendo probably. Hmm. Um, at the beginning, even not the middle of September, and it's mm. it's taking place that you know in the first weekend of October. So, your you, you know the the money for festivals, unless it's well established and people are clamouring like Glastonbury, you know, then you've got the ticket money in. But we're not Glastonbury yet. Nice. We're <laughs> close it? to Glastonbury geographically. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Glastonbury is a whole different kettle of fish, isn't it? You, and you've got live music as well in at the festival too. Um, so that, that sounds great. So you've got the walking during the day, you've got live music in the evening and then people can obviously find their own accommodation within the city. I take it. That's the idea after that. Okay. That sounds really, really interesting. Um, and the first weekend of October, which is looking at my calendar, what's the date of it? It's the first to the third of October. Oh, okay. First to the third. Okay. Mm. Brilliant. So, um, and this is something you're hoping to run annually as well. Yes, I think once you've put the effort in, um, yeah. uh, then um, it will, it will, it will, you know, it, yes, it'll self perpetuate. Yeah, brilliant. 
And how many do you think will be, uh, how many people are you expecting to turn up? We're uh, between three and fi- 300 and 500. Oh, wow. Okay. And have you got a cap on how many you can have booked in? Because obviously I'm assuming you have limits per walk anyway of how many guided walks you can do. So on the Saturday, there are limits. The, yeah. um, per walk, it's it's mostly 16 people. Um, uh, some have 20, some have 25, I suppose. Okay. So there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a variety there. Okay. Um, and then on the... Sunday the walks on the Sunday are self-guided hmm. so oh, okay. um, people have an app that they can follow and yep. um, a printed out map with 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 detailed cues on it I mean it's actually they're very straightforward routes so uh, there isn't a limit um, on the number of people that we can have other than um, we don't want to have too many in the hub at one time I suppose. okay of course yeah so that from on the Sunday the walks just start from the hub um, mm. and, and kind of span out from there and what kind of mileages are um, the self-guided walk set to well um, we start the the, the the smallest mileage is a is a is a one mile leisure trail because we want to encourage everybody the, uh, the, there's a family adventure trail then you go to sort of five eight twelve miles and you go up to the bristol bridges challenge which i think is about 26 miles or something crazy okay so quite a oh brilliant so there is like a marathon distance hike in there as well just a bit of challenge oh brill that sounds great um and the most important question for me is at the hub um are there any food stalls as well yes there's so uh, we've tried to keep it very bristol um and uh, so that's what you know music's a big part of bristol yeah um, and uh, street food is is a big part of Bristol. So there's 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 going to be street food vendors and um, and uh, yes, as as there in in the hub. I think there's um, there's a, a Lebanese, there's pizza, there's tacos. Oh, sounds good. Um, uh, and there may even be a Somali um, uh, vendor if she can get her if she can get yeah. her. Um, permissions in time oh amazing that that sounds really good so lots of local bristol kind of it's all bristol yeah all bristol that's amazing i mean i've um we've got family near bristol so we we do go into the uh city occasionally and my uh, my other half's um cousin has just uh, got accepted into bristol university as well so he's uh, slight slightly jealous that um you know, I didn't choose Bristol as university because it's definitely somewhere that we'd like to uh, move to in the future, genuinely, as on our cards in the next 10 years to sort of head down that way. Um, so, yeah, I can um, vouch for how cool a city Bristol is to uh, to be in. Yeah, it <laughs> It's is, a really yeah. nice place. Yeah. It's, have you, have you, so just back to you quickly in, in Bristol, is, is Bristol somewhere you, you, you worked in London um, previously. Did you move across to Bristol then? Yes, Eventually. we did. Yeah. Yes, um, uh, in well, I can't remember two thousand two thousand and two, we did. So, okay. so where are we? Nearly, I suppose, nearly twenty years in Bristol. Yeah. I feel a relative newcomer. Intra- I mean, it, it, I, I feel in in my veins, it's Bristol, and 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 my heart and the head of Bristol. But obviously, I haven't got a. I'd love to have the Bristolian. The Bristol, oh, it's not. It's got it. It is lovely, isn't it? I do like it. Um, yeah, I mean, um, my, my other half's uncle has a really strong kind of Bristolian Somerset accent, and it's uh, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Such a nice accent. It's a super friendly accent as well. Um, yeah, so I'm, I've got a uh, some some weird hybrid Derbyshire come London accent, which has developed over the last years. But now I wish I had something a bit more distinctive. 
Um, so the, the festival sounds great. And final uh, question about the festival from me, if anyone's interested in going to it, um, how much does it cost to get in and to, to kind of enter into the events? What kind of price would they be looking at to do that? So some of, uh, some of the walks are free. Okay. Um, Which ones and, would be free? Oh, uh, so um, there are some urban walks, quite a number of the urban walks on the Saturday are free. And then on the Sunday, the long Bristol Bridges Challenge Walk, that's that's a free walk. Um, <clears throat> okay, free that's the 26 mile that's one. That's something, okay. yes, yeah. mile one. Um, the, the other walks range between um, £5 and £8 on the Sunday. So okay. they're, they're inexpensive. And then on the Saturday, you can do, you could, you can combine, um, for instance, a Banksy walk and then um, and one of the afternoon walks and the, and an evening, the evening entertainment for, uh, we worked out to be about 50, 55 pounds. That's three different things and your evening meal and entertainment. That's in the evening. incredibly affordable for somebody who's local, loves walking and wants to go do something for a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's deliberately designed to be accessible, and and uh, as I say, the idea is in future years it it will be funded by um, uh, by corporates who would probably use the event, particularly on the Sunday, as a corporate well-being day. Oh wow! Okay, that's really I'm surprised by that. I thought you were going to tell me it was you know going to be sort of you know entry for the weekends where for all events was a hundred pound or something like that. But no, that's so you can pick and choose which you want to go to. You pay for what you yeah. go to. Some are free, some are not. But there is a, a small package for three uh, events and a and a music venue at the end. Uh, that sounds that's really that's that's great. I think um, it's rare actually you do find events like this that are accessible and 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 not feeling like you could. It's the kind of price you don't go. Oh, do I? Don't I? You kind of think. Well, actually, if I was local to Bristol and I saw this, I'd probably go do it for that price. So. That's um yeah that's really <laughs> really yeah that's great you know it's, it's not that, it's nice to see things that are kind of affordable I think it's really important especially yeah. if you want to get people involved um, if you want people to enjoy walking and and then yeah. of course it just gets yes gets people out and 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 seeing you know seeing the countryside that's why I think a walking festival is so valuable if anyone is yeah. thinking about it which obviously from your from the feedback you got on Facebook page yeah. a lot of people are great. Yeah. Yeah. And walking is, you know, it's something we all do, but the interest in walking at the moment is just growing massively, especially since it's become, you know, I guess the lockdown activity of choice for most people. And, you know, we've all gone, I think I'm sure some people have got sick of walking, but I think many other people have gone, well, actually really enjoy it and it makes me feel good in any capacity. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a success and, uh, I really hope it goes well on the day for you. Thank you. You're welcome. So on to your book. So you're very busy at the moment because you're doing this festival and you're trying to write a book at the same time. So tell me about the book and can you give me a sort of sneak preview, a look into what it's going to be about and kind of roughly when you think you might be able to get it out as well? So the book was another reason why I wanted to step back from from the, the Bristol Nordic walking over the, over the years. I, I, I wrote a large number of um, articles, um, blogs, I suppose, in old money. Um, and uh, because I'm genuinely interested in understanding how 
how we move our bodies, how the, 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 the holistic benefits you can get from walking and Nordic walking and just the surge of um, studies and research that kept coming up over and over again about the benefits, mental and physical well-being benefits of walking and obviously in the niche area of Nordic mm-hmm. So I've been writing about this a great deal and also uh, just understanding the technique of walking and, and, and writing because people, you know, who, who came to like my classes say, well, you know, can you write this down? It's, uh, you know, I need something to refer back. So I used to do a lot of sort of, I suppose, crib notes and things like that. For, for people. And I just thought, you know, I, I've got all this information, gather it together, gather it together, Vicky, and put it in a book. And, um, and I started to do that. And then I, um, and then I just thought, you know, this shouldn't be about Nordic walking, because it's so relevant to walking. Do I turn my book into a, you know, walking come Nordic walking book? So I've written, I wrote probably the, the first draft I wrote was was uh, straddled both. But now I'm condensing it. And having spoken to the, the publishers, I think, um, I think it's going to come out as a Nordic walking specific book, but will have huge relevance if, you know, if you're a walker and you're interested in in um, walking optimally okay. for, uh, for your health, which actually when you're long distance, because I've done endurance um, walking and it does help if you can keep yourself in alignment, if you understand how your body moves and try and, and keep yourself properly centered and balanced, aligned and using the correct muscles for walking. Okay. So you've, you've managed to already, this is obviously a, a really serious endeavor then because you've managed to get a publisher in on this as well. This isn't a self-published book. This is a, no. something you're really hoping will, that will make an impact. You've got somebody behind you to support you with this um now is the book going to be uh have like a story narrative to it or is it just going to be a sort of hard and fast kind of goes right into the 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 details of of walking if that makes sense so um it it starts um i suppose with a bit of myth busting in the you know for instance the the comparison between walking and running which lots of people say well you know why bother walk when you can run you know what um so just different bits and pieces like that and then and then some of the sort of the um the science behind the benefits of 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 walking and and then it explains obviously nordic walking and then it goes into the um the foundations for good walking and i think this is probably will be most interest to to um people who are listening here so i i i I use an acronym for uh how people can briefly um uh, without too much bother just remind themselves of what they need to be thinking out uh, about when they when when they're walking and indeed during a long walk and and the acronym i use is smart um and uh, it starts with so the s is skeleton m mouth is breathing a is arms which are very poorly used by most of us incidentally r is rotation um, which is incredibly important and very underused. And um, T is for toes, which is obviously how you use your, your your feet properly and how that then translates into using the correct muscles up your leg and into your glutes, your you know your bottom, and then all the way up the 
the, the yeah the back chain of your body and what's uh, rotation what would that involve how you move your hips as you're walking it's not your hips actually no? so, so so your body is designed our bodies are designed to um counter rotate natural counter rotation as you walk forward so so your torso um so your upper body will should naturally rotate um, in the opposite direction to your hip movement when you put your foot forward. So you, you end up with a, with a slight spinal, if you like, it's like wringing out a towel, I suppose. You, you know, your, your upper body goes one way and your hips gently goes the other way. And the, the effect of that is that it sucks down the fluid all the way down your spinal column, um, which keeps your spine very healthy, but it also helps to relieve stress. And it's the number one reason that um, uh, we, we used to get a huge number of referrals from physios for Nordic walking. And their number one reason for, to refer, for referrals to Nordic walking was because of the rotation that is built into the Nordic walking action and which is lost mostly through walking because no, we've forgotten about it. That's really interesting, actually. Um, so the, the idea of Nordic walking is... is I feel I'm learning more and more as I'm talking to you about this is really because uh, I, I always kind of see walking as something that's incredibly simple. And I don't think, don't think you're saying it's not at all, but it's about adding this level of mindfulness to the way you walk and, and essentially putting your whole body into it rather than just sort of arms gangling down and legs moving forward. It's about kind of using your whole body to, to propel yourself forwards and to get, engage your arms and to engage your core and ro your rotation muscles and, and your, your feet and your calves. And I never really think of it like that. And so that's really, really interesting. So that is that is the book going to kind of take you through that and really allow somebody like myself who just walks to really start understanding the dynamics of walking? Yeah, that's yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I just want to say that... Um, just walking is is superb in its own right. Oh, absolutely, yeah. This, yeah. this, this is just this is like a toolkit. That's what I, I, I always think of this. So it doesn't matter. This is if you if you're interested in really understanding how best to hold your skeleton, then I can give you some tips on how to do that. If um, you know, if you if you've got sore joints, then there are certain you know, there are certain clever things that you can just do to to help, you know, your body alignment and the weight to transfer down through your body more successfully um, with, you know, with with less pressure on your back, on your on your neck and shoulders, on all different places. And and it's more it's just an awareness. And I've I've I never thought about walking until I discovered Nordic walking. I think what Nordic walking does is it breaks down the walking technique and builds it back up again hmm. that's really interesting and can you give any tips then at this point to somebody who may for instance be struggling with uh, back problems or, or some so common problems that kind of people do come to walking with where yeah. we're not at walking or walking with these techniques will help them any kind of easy, easy kind of wins that they can start kind of tomorrow with and to, to allow help their walking and to make make it feel a little comfortable Yes. So, oh gosh. Well, yes. Sorry. There's so much I, I can say on that. Yeah. So that's if we if we take if we take the back mm. um, 
for instance. So start with the head. So our heads are very, very heavy. It's the, it's the weight of a bowling ball. So it's like four or five kilograms. And for every inch of forward head jutting position, you add another 10 pounds of tension on your neck. Okay. Wow. It, it, so there is no point in, in doing anything, you know, further down your body unless you start to get your head right. And if you go outside, next time you go out for a walk, look at people's head positions and most people. So then the, the, the correct um, alignment is when your ears, if you turn sideways and mm. somebody took a photo of you, yep. your ears are over your shoulder, which is over your hip, which is over your ankle bone. Okay, I'm finding my head move back now because... Yeah. I'm a, I'm a leaner. I'm a, I'm a slouch yeah. myself. Okay. Yeah. And most people either have their jaw right down because they're looking down at their toes or they think, oh, I need to, you know, I must, um, you know, stand up tall. And the first thing they do is jut their head, their, their chin up to the sky, which actually then creates tension in the neck as well, because you're crushing the, you know, you're crushing the spine. So, so always lengthen up your back when you're wanting to lift your head always lengthen up the back of your body because your spine actually disappears right into the middle of your, if, if, if your head actually, it stops. If you were to put a line between your, uh, put your fingers in your ears yeah. and draw a line, a dotted line yeah. between the two, that's where your spine finishes. Oh, wow. Okay. Didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. That makes so sense. Yeah. Just think how much lengthening you've yeah. got the possibility of, you know, mm. up into your head. Yes. Mm. So slide your chin back and lengthen the spine up into your head. That would be my number one thing. My number two thing would be roll your shoulders back and down because so much tension is, uh, um, is in the neck and shoulder area. And particularly if you're, if you're carrying a backpack, um, your shoulder blades, your shoulders tend to creep up towards, mine do anyway, tend to creep up towards your ears. Yeah. So one of the most important gaps in your body is actually between your earlobe and your shoulder. So just think dangly earrings. Okay. You look lovely in them. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I've never tried them before. Well, I think I probably dressed up in earrings when I was younger because I had a sister. But, uh, <laughs> cheers. Um, I would like to add to the backpack thing because this is my experience as well. Most people do tend to wear backpacks wrong, especially heavy ones. Um, less relevant if you're wearing, wearing a, an, an unstructured backpack with the light weight in it. But if you are carrying a sort of 45 to 50 and above litre rucksack with a structured back system, you should only have about 20% of the weight on your shoulders yes. and the rest of it should be on your hips. Because what that does otherwise, if it's on your shoulders, it pulls you back. Whereas if it's on your hips, it's central and it's it's not pulling your, your body back at all. So that's my my... One thing, I, I my one bit of advice for anybody, I, it's probably about all I've got to be fair when it comes to hiking, but uh, it served me well. I think that's that's so right. And the other thing is to is to is to wear a chest strap. Yes, hundred so percent. Yeah, always, you know, uh, connect connect the two straps across your chest because yeah. um, uh, yes, and not too tight either because I do see a lot of walkers with a chest strap where it's pulled as tight as it can go, and you're just pulling your ribcage in at that point. Yeah. Um, and you, you kind of forcing your shoulders inward. So to have that at a point, because it only needs to stabilize the back, the harness system on, on you rather than kind of hold it in place. Um, so, yeah, that generally has worked really well for me wearing a backpack like that. Mm. Yeah. Yes, me too. Um, 
so and 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 so the shoulders rolled back and down is something to constantly be aware of because they creep up the whole time. And the other thing is actually, if you're talking about backache, um, it's one thing having the correct position, but you have to you have to have a sort of um, um, an elasticity in your body. So don't hold your head. In fact, one of my key things that if I'm going on a long walk is I, I periodically just wiggle my head because it releases the tension and it uh, tension just will naturally crease, uh, in, um, you know, creep up. So give your head a little wiggle and make sure that you're, you know, that the head is sit, sitting properly like a, like a golf ball yep. on a tee. Hmm. That's on a, on a, you know, okay. You so that. just, just well balanced on over your spine rather than mm-hmm back excessively or forward excessively um and what about arms as well because when i walk i'm I'm notorious for having my especially when i've got a bag on for having my arms tucked in to my bag because i i'm i'm a i'm a hands in pocket they're either in my pockets if i've got a coat on or if i don't have a coat on they're just sort of tucked in like that so they're always at my chest so what do you advise against that well again i mean i i i just it's not that you can't walk like that. It's absolutely fine. You All you're doing by walking like that is you're missing an opportunity, a big opportunity to improve your, um, uh, your arms are an accelerator in any event. So you're, you're just missing an opportunity to improve your health. So take the arm swing. Um, uh, so, so swinging your arms is a natural accelerator along with your, your legs and your feet. So those are your yep. three big accelerators. So if you stiffen your arms, you're, you've, you're missing, you're missing an accelerating opportunity, I'm not saying you need it, but, um, also you, you're, you're, um, you're, um, upsetting your circulation because you've got, you've got tight points in your body. So, and there's a, there are a huge number of lymph glands under your armpit. So you're missing the opportunity for lymph drainage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's not that you, you, you know, it depends what you want from, from, from your walking. If you're really comfortable just holding your straps, that's fine. Just be aware of the of the benefits of swinging your arms as as we were designed to do incidentally you know so, so if you um, want to get those extra kind of benefits from doing these things then they're kind of definitely worth having a go at kind of thinking differently about how how you walk yeah yeah brilliant that's really interesting so when is the uh book due out when were you mm-hmm. hoping to <laughs> after the festival i'm assuming yes i yeah. was I had um, promised it uh, to, to uh, Rethink Pass, who, who are publishing for me. Uh, I did originally say September, but I've moved it back. I think I think it'll come out at the beginning of the next year, which I think is quite a nice time because um, you know, just as people are, are, are emerging from from the winter months, I that's that's when it'll come out. So I, I expect it'll be maybe March, March, April next year. I think that's a really good time as well um from from my experience um having done walking holidays um previously customers for my previous business did did generally tend to book just after christmas and into that period of time so i think people start thinking about walking between february and 
you know, sorry, January and February, and then actually start doing the walk in March onwards. So yeah, that's probably going to be remarkably well-timed because that's really when the kind of the brunt of the interest for walking is there. And it starts to dip at this time of year again, as people kind of, I think, start to see the light go in the evenings and, you know, well, it's not allowed to dip until uh, until. No, afternoon. oh, I'm sure you'll be fine. It's it's day it's day walking, but I definitely for um for example, over the last couple of weeks um on on the Facebook group, I see all the members who join, and um in July we were having about I'd say three to four hundred new members a day. Uh, sorry, a week join not a day. Um, the last week I've had thirty, so it's interesting to see how the interest kind of relates to the the. The, the new membership of that group as well so um yeah so uh, that sounds really good sounds like a lot of work as well um it, it's a it's a when something is your pleasure it's 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 not it doesn't take on the feeling the mantle of, of work yeah feel it feels yeah it's still hard work but it doesn't feel like sort of it doesn't feel burdensome isn't it it doesn't doesn't weigh down quite the same way the work yeah. does well I look forward to getting my hands on a copy. I'd love to read it uh, when it's done. So do let me know. I shall um, send you a copy, Matthew. <laughs> that'd be wonderful if you could. I really would like to see it. So I'm, uh, I've had a few people on here who are thinking about doing books. You're the only person who is actually writing one. So uh, I'm really keen to get a, a, a post-podcast book coming through the letterbox, something Thanks. out there. You can send me one um that, that'd be great um so anything else you want to add before we finish um so for example any kind of thoughts about how people can get involved in the festival where to go uh, maybe somebody wants to get involved in order walking again where where to go to, to start that journey off so the festival website is uh, just google let's walk bristol uh, uh and then you'll come to the festival website uh in there on the general info page is a there's a there's a there's a whole page on Nordic walking and the links to the Nordic walking organizations where you can find classes close all over the country so that would probably be um yeah it's all kind of in in one place one stop shop brilliant that's fantastic well it has been really nice to have you on today Thank you for joining me um, and hopefully the festival goes really, really well for you and uh, I look forward to catching up hopefully again next year if you'd like to come on again once the book's out to uh, talk a bit more about that. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Brilliant. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. 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 So, how did you enjoy that episode? I really feel like I learned loads about Nordic walking and as I said at the beginning, if running isn't your thing but you need something outside of walking long distance trails and regular hiking to keep your fitness up and to increase that fitness, then Nordic walking is certainly something that you may want to consider. And don't forget to check out the Bristol Walking Festival, which you can find at www.letswalkbristol.co.uk. So that's let, sorry, letswalkbristol.co.uk. Um, and the event is running on the 1st to 3rd of October this year. So that is it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Next time I will be joined by Rebecca the Rambler, a keen ultramarathon walker and the chair of the Ramblers Association. 
I think it's going to be an interesting episode, so definitely worth a listen. And as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast. It means the world to me that you're actually listening to me today. It really does. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. If you do enjoy it, don't forget to review us on Apple or rate us on Apple and follow on Spotify. And if you do listen to the show and you do enjoy it and there's any guests you'd like me to interview, just send me an email and I'll contact them and ask if they want to be on the show. So I'd love to interview people who you want to hear from. It'd really, it'd be really exciting for me to kind of bring you guests that you know you, you'd like to, to have interviewed. Um, so just drop me an email if you have any questions at matthew at distancehiker.com. Love to hear from you. But that's it for now. Until next time. See you later.